I think now only the people who are in inventory are the hardcore nerds <laughs> because we, we love inventory and we love a challenge is mm. the main issue. While the inventory app can focus a lot on a worker in a warehouse, uh, the manufacturing will focus more on people working in a factory. We handle a lot of use cases, but there's so many that we can't possibly handle them all. So we try to keep it as broad as possible for the most part. The hope is that whoever is reviewing will remember all the use cases. But since we're only human, of course, sometimes we miss them. And I often test it myself to see, okay, I bet they forgot about this particular use case. And then I'll try it and I'll go, you didn't consider this, you need to fix your code. I feel like there's the expression in development, the don't reinvent the wheel. It's the same idea of, well, someone else already invented this pretty good wheel. Let's just take it and tweak it and make it a little bit better. The nice thing for me with logistics is I like thinking of lots of different use cases and flows that work very well. And it's nice that uh, we always have new challenges, so you never get bored as well. Welcome to another Tech & Dev episode. Today, we'll discuss with Tiffany Chang, a developer on Odoo's stock and manufacturing applications. From industry challenges to powerful integrations and dev anecdotes, we'll go over the story behind our stock and manufacturing application suit. Ready? Let's go. Hello, Tiffany. Hello, Olivier. <laughs> nice to have you here. So, who are you and what are you doing at Odoo? Could you tell us? Well, I'm Tiffany. I'm a developer. I've been at Odoo for about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the inventory group, or okay. the stock team. Okay, inventory, stock, what does that team do exactly? Yes. So we handle all of the apps related to stock and making sure you have things in stock. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we do purchase, inventory, manufacturing, repair, PLM, uh, and we also handle the delivery connectors and also quality. That's a lot of things. It is. So you have a very, very broad scope. Why is it all handled by the same team? So it's all handled by the same team because they're all kind of related to each other. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I want to make sure I have things in stock, it's important that I can automatically set a purchase order so that it'll resupply my stock. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the Udo apps don't necessarily involve these things. It's usually just if something's in stock, it'll be able to do it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they only care about their small connection with the inventory yeah, app, here and that's it's it. Too, uh, too, too, too connected, actually, to be, to be split, or at least it's, it's good to keep things together. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, and how did you end up uh, doing that? Because I already said that in another episode, but let's, let's say it again. I mean, uh, it's not the most sexy thing a developer would, would, would think about when, when starting uh, uh, his career, uh, actually. Uh, so inventory management, uh, why this choice? So it's a little funny for me because mm -hmm. when I started, Udo was recruiting a lot of developers, but it was still on a much smaller scale than now. And back then, our training program was we did the regular functional training like all of the other Udo employees. Mm -hmm. And then we had a technical training that was very different from what we have now. We have all these nice tutorials on the documentation website. Back then, it was just... It was still an ancient time where you had to improvise a lot. <laughs> yeah, there was like one document where it was just build a module, and then we just had to follow it, but it wasn't very clear, ah. and you make lots of mistakes. <laughs> and then in the end, when you're done, someone's just like, oh, you finished? All right, good. Go to a team now. Mm -hmm. And back then, Anthony, uh, he wanted us to be on different teams to experience different things. So it was supposed to be you went on one functional team, mm -hmm. And then you were supposed to go to the JS framework team mm -hmm. because he wanted us to all have more of a JS background. And from the way you're saying it, you're, you didn't do that. <laughs> I'm very happy to say I did not do it because uh, they changed their mind. Mm -hmm. And then they also want everyone to either be in logistics or in accounting. Mm -hmm. And I got put on the logistics team. And then I never left. <laughs> so you, 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 you were convinced. Uh, love at first sight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right. Could you explain a bit more functionally speaking what each of the apps you are in charge of are doing? Yes. So purchase, I think, is a little self-explanatory, but if not, mm -hmm. it involves buying things Ooh. from vendors. So normally when you have just purchase installed, you're not necessarily keeping track of things that are in stock. So for example, we have the product type consumable. So it means you know that you're buying, let's say, screws, mm -hmm. but you don't care how many you have in stock. Mm -hmm. So you'll just say, okay, I'm spending this much with this vendor and I, have, I bought this much from them. Mm -hmm. But then when you go to sell them, you don't necessarily care, okay, do I have screws in stock or mm -hmm. do I just sell screws in general? Yeah, and that's because fine. it's just too small to track, actually, and it would just, just wouldn't make sense, I guess, to, to track every screw you have in stock. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> but okay. then once you install inventory, then you can say, okay, I care how much of these things I have in stock, so then I can make sure I don't sell tables when I have mm -hmm. no more tables in mm -hmm. stock. Mm -hmm. Or you can also track different types of tables, things like that. And then, so inventory, that's what inventory does, mm -hmm. is it helps you keep track of what you have in stock, essentially. Mm -hmm. And also, if you have things like, uh, for example, the receipts, so when do you receive things in stock and when do you think send things out, And you can also do more complicated things in that as well, such mm -hmm. as if you have multiple locations and you yeah. want to keep track of, okay, I moved things from my loading dock onto shelf one. Yeah, and then it, I it's not just about, uh, 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 I mean, uh, if you're just a small shop selling, selling a very limited number of, of things that don't take too much space, you can have one room to store everything. But again, yes. I guess when you grow bigger and for bigger businesses, It's not like that at all, and so it becomes more complex because you can have different locations where your, your items are, and you need to, to track what is where, what it went through, I guess, as well. Uh, and that's where you need a software, actually. Uh, yes. It can also vary a little bit. So, for example, I went to one customer's location where they have different things in stock, but they need to keep track of which shelf is it on because mm -hmm. then it makes it easier for them to process, okay, sure. I want to send out this package and I need to know exactly what shelves to get each one of the items I need from. Sure, because people are then more efficient to, to pack everything. And so at the end of the day, you save money with that. Huh? Yes. And also, mm -hmm. for example, maybe you store specific things on specific shelves. Uh, because one of the things that we include in the inventory app is being able to track things by serial number or by lot, which can be very important, for example, sure. in the medical field. Sure. Uh, so you have to make sure that you're not grabbing the wrong lot and then <laughs> sending the wrong lot because then you'll get in big trouble later on, I think, with mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. auditing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so next app you want to talk about? Uh, so the next major app that we handle is the manufacturing app, mm -hmm. which kind of like the purchase app, it helps you ensure that you have things in stock. Mm -hmm. So let's say, going back to the table example, you want to make sure you've manufactured enough tables. Mm -hmm. And you also need to know how do you manufacture your table and mm -hmm. if you have so different versions. When you make them. Yes. Actually, okay. So very, very vaguely, but that's the idea. So, yes. so just so that people have a, a, an idea of what we're talking about. Okay? Yeah, so to me, the names make it obvious, but <laughs> I suppose manufacturing doesn't necessarily mean building things to some people. Mm -hmm. But yes, so the manufacturing app is all about building things. Okay. And um, while the inventory app can focus a lot on a worker in a warehouse, uh, the manufacturing will focus more on people working in a factory. Okay. And then other apps you need to explain? Uh, the other ones are, are smaller apps. So mm -hmm. repair, I also think it's self-explanatory, but it involves mm -hmm. repairing things. <laughs> so that can be very useful in the manufacturing case if, for example, you have certain tools that you use and they break and you need to make sure that you've repaired them. And also if you provide repairs as a service to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the other smaller apps we have, the PLM, the Product Lifecycle Management app. 
Okay, that's something you need to explain. Yes. Here you can say the name is self-explanatory. Yeah. Yes. That's uh, a barbaric name. What does it name? What does it mean? <laughs> uh, I think that app appeals more to engineers or people who do uh, operations research because that's usually we have a certain design for a particular product that we manufacture or a certain way that we do things. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a better way we can do it. Mm-hmm. So with the PLM app, you can create what's called a ECO, an engineering change order. And with the ECOs, that helps you keep track of, okay, let's say you have a table design and mm-hmm. you want to make a new one. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have two designers working on it at the same time. They can create their own separate ECOs and then they can compare and say like, okay, your design makes it so we don't use this particular type of leg anymore. We now use these type of legs. Or you now change the order of the steps in order to manufacture the table. Maybe it's more efficient. So it's really to coordinate, the, the, I would say, the R&D side of the table making and really compare what you did and, and the, well, keep track of the different, I would say, branches uh, that people have while, while changing uh, pieces of the table or the material or color or whatever here. Yes. Okay. So we also handle the quality app. Uh, that's usually an extra step that a lot of companies need to have because it's the quality control portion. Mm-hmm. So that tends to be very important, for example, in healthcare or engineering, where you need to make sure you meet specific specifications. So you can add in, for example, when you receive your goods, you can make sure that when goods come in that they meet certain measurements. So, for example, mm-hmm. the screws are the correct width. Okay. And you can even set it up so it works just like quality control works for strict factories where you test every fifth product mm-hmm. because testing every single one sometimes yeah, sure, just isn't not, possible. It's not, all, yeah. not I mean, at least not always possible, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I okay. have a little bit of a statistics background, so for me it's the idea of you do enough sampling to make sure that it's good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think the only one less left is the delivery connectors, but then uh, it, I think it's pretty obvious. So. Um. No. I could go into it a little okay, bit okay, in okay. case we decide Explain. there's something enough to talk about. <laughs> but the delivery connectors are everything involving, for example, FedEx, UPS, uh, USPS. Mm-hmm. We handle that because usually you really need to know the weight of your items when you send the information to the shipper. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise they have no idea how much to charge you, if it's overweight, if you're using the wrong type of packaging, things like that. So it's not just connecting to them, actually. So you need to change the behavior of the software itself. Within Odoo, the, it will work a bit differently to fit the way they are communicating, if I get you well. So each delivery connector is slightly different. Because, mm-hmm. for example, what UPS expects from us for formatting can differ from what FedEx wants. Mm-hmm. So, for example, sometimes the way that they need a number formatted for the customs form will mm-hmm. differ from one connected to another. We have to make sure that it matches each one correctly. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it can become quickly very complex. And the problem there is that you have a lot of different connectors. And the more you want to support, the harder it becomes because you have to keep everything in line, right? That's correct. And even... More difficult is that sometimes the API changes and then mm-hmm. we have to update everything. Mm-hmm. And you discover it the day it breaks. <laughs> Usually they send out warnings Whoa. at least. But we did <laughs> have to do a big refactoring for 16 because mm-hmm. a lot of things changed. And I think like DHL completely changed their API. And if mm-hmm. we didn't change it, then all of our D- DHL connectors were going to break. Okay. Okay. Going a bit more into the details now. Uh, could you give us a brief overview of the implementation, actually, of the stock app and the stock models? What, what are they? What, how does it work exactly? We have a few main things that we handle. We have the same model for when you receive goods and for when you're sending out goods or when you're moving goods within your own warehouse or across your warehouses, things like that. Mm-hmm. 
but then on top of that, we also have a model to keep track of how much you actually have in stock of a particular product. Because when you give the name or uh, the names of these oh, models? Okay, sorry. Was yeah, let's be technical. technical. Okay, let's yes. be technical. Uh. So the, the name of the model that handles things coming in, thing, things going out, that's the stock pickings. Okay. Pickings isn't a very intuitive name, I think. So that's why I prefer <laughs> to just say the receipts or the deliveries. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in addition to that, we have the stock quants. And so the stock quants are the actual amount that you have in stock. Because until you do the actual shipping or mm -hmm. the actual receipt, it's still theoretical. Mm -hmm. So you don't okay. want to accidentally sell something that's in theory going to happen, but doesn't actually happen. Yeah, you want to make sure, to make sure it, it is there. Yes. Okay. And so for the models that handle the theoretical uh, expected movements are the stock moves. And then even more specific than that is the stock move lines, mm -hmm. which is why stock can sometimes get a little confusing for some people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for, for, for developers uh, working on Odoo, but not working especially on the, on the stock app, uh, it's one of the ones with the, the most complex models, uh, I guess. So I only had a look at it a few times because I didn't have many opportunities to do so. Uh, and, and, and indeed, uh, it feels complex, actually, but I guess it's because it is and it's no harm. I mean, it's, uh, obviously it is. Yes, we originally, I think originally before I joined Inventory, I think there was a problem with developers not wanting to join because it was too complicated. Mm. Or they would stay in the team for a little bit and then move on to and another one. And did it change? It did uh -huh. change. <laughs> uh, I think now only the people who are in Inventory are the hardcore nerds mm -hmm. because we, we love Inventory and we love a challenge is mm -hmm. the main issue because we love a challenge is the main benefit. Because with some of the other apps, I think it's since it's a smaller scope, you tend to see the same thing over and over again. Whereas because we have so many apps and we have so many scopes, we handle both JavaScript and Python and SQL, that you're able to try different things and not get bored. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And does it often happen that someone comes in with a use case that you did not support and, uh, and you're like, oh, we need to add something for that? Uh Yes. So that's one of the other challenges that we have is that we handle a lot of use cases, mm -hmm. but there's so many that we can't possibly handle them all. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone always comes up with their specific use case that they want to handle. And we say, well, if we do that, it's going to be extremely complicated and then we're going to have huge technical debt. So mm -hmm. we try to keep it as broad as possible for the most part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When there's something you, you, you discover you need to implement like that, so you were talking about technical debt, uh, does it often happen that you have to like refactor a lot of the code because you need to make it more generic? Or how, how, how does it integrate? How does it fit actually in the code base then? So we do have to refactor sometimes, but there's, I guess, maybe three cases that we usually have to handle. Mm -hmm. One is making it more scalable mm -hmm. because often with inventory, we have to deal with large amounts of records. Mm -hmm. So records mm -hmm. being... Yeah, I guess it's just um, like for accounting, you have very quickly a very huge number of things in database. And of course, if it takes uh, 10 minutes to load every, load every time, it's just not working. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for example, it could be someone has decided, okay, we have all of these incoming receipts. Let's just validate 100 of them at the same time. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure we handle that quickly enough. Otherwise, mm -hmm. they're probably going to quit Udo because mm -hmm. it'll take them forever, yeah, forever to finish. I was saying 10 minutes, but even 30 seconds every time you need to send a table. Uh, if, you t if you're selling thousands of tables to stay on this example, yep. it's not going to be very well. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it's not working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and then the other case of when we do refactoring is if it can be done better. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we did a big refactoring for version 14. <laughs> and with that, we refactored it so you don't have to go to as many pages in order to set up how you're going to do your construction. Mm -hmm. What is the idea behind those simplifications? That, uh, what are you touching exactly? Uh, is it really for the user experience or for the performance? or? 
in that case, it's usually for the user experience. Okay, so so for example, what way? For example, whenever I go back to version 13 and I'm trying to see, mm -hmm. okay, I need to set up my my bomb, my bill of material, which is how am I going to construct my particular product, mm -hmm. I realized that I was having a really hard time just figuring out where do I need to click in order to set up the steps. And that was one of the things that we improved when we did the refactoring was now you create your bomb, you say these are the operations I'm going to do, and then there's a button that you can click to immediately set up the steps instead, mm -hmm. of, instead of having to go to another view. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you were switching between, between screens a, a little too much and it was confusing the user. Yes, and it was. Uh, I think there was a term for it where you have to know the the clicking order. You have to know exactly where to click in order to set up all the steps. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a very this is referred to like '90s programming style where everything is a drop down menu and you have to know exactly where to click. So Def, to click all ten thousands options everywhere. Yes. Uh, okay, and so it's just deconfusing that and yeah. making it more modern, where everything is properly set up with a, only a few things you can click on every time. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And when you're changing such a flow uh, and or doing other kind of optimizations uh, a bit everywhere in your code base, uh, how do you make sure that you're not breaking this or that use case? Because you were mentioning that there were a lot of different possible cases. How do you control that? Do you control that? So Tell us the truth. We want to know. <laughs> the hope is that whoever is reviewing will remember all the use cases. But mm -hmm. since we're only human, of course, sometimes mm -hmm. we miss them. But it is very typical where I'll do a review and I'll say, oh, well, I think you forgot this case. Mm -hmm. And, oh, I think you forgot about this use case. Mm -hmm. And I often test it myself to see, okay, I bet they forgot about this particular use case. And then I'll try it and I'll go, you didn't consider this, you need to fix your code. Mm -hmm. So... So it's your experience talking. Yes. Mm -hmm. But often I forget about use cases myself. So. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? And then I have to go back and fix it later. <laughs> I assume you have tests as well in the code? Uh, yes, we do have tests, but sometimes it's hard to know what to test against if you don't know all the use cases. Mm -hmm. Or the other issue is, or the other challenge is, if you add in a new feature, you don't want to have to write 10 tests every single time to handle all of the possible use cases, especially use cases that people don't really use very mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. It's like it's a combinatory stuff. You have to rewrite the whole test, changing only a few things every for every possible combination of setups. Is that it? Yes. And sometimes even then, depending on your future, you might still have to write a completely new test anyways. Mm -hmm. So if I get you well, writing a test for everything is just not possible because then you would, it would be impossible to maintain just a test. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Yes. And that's just for the Python test. Then mm -hmm. we also have the JavaScript tours, which are even more complicated and confusing. Mm -hmm. Do you have a lot of uh, JavaScript custom code uh, in your, your module? So we do. Uh, within We have two main apps that do use it. One is manufacturing because we have to handle what we call the tablet view, which mm -hmm. is what the the builder uses when they're doing a work order. So mm -hmm. a work order is kind of like the the steps you have to do for your manufacturing order. Mm -hmm. So I should also clarify that the manufacturing order is the actual time you're building something. Mm -hmm. So let's say someone says, I want five tables, then you'll have a manufacturing order that says, uh, you're constructing a table, you have to make five of them, these are the components mm. that you need in order to okay, construct so, it. And essentially you have some guy uh, with a table and all the material uh, receiving the order and he has to follow the instructions to, to build the five tables then. Yes. Okay. So the work so order is the screen that, we're talking about. Uh, the screen he's seeing. The screen that that guy's seeing is the work order. Okay. And that is actually, we expect that to be on an iPad, for example, mm -hmm. where they can click through. So that has to be a custom JavaScript thing because mm -hmm. it's kind of unique because it's a combination of two form views. 
-hmm. because we have the work order itself. So usually that'll have information such as what are you constructing? If it has a serial number, what is the serial number going to be of the thing that you're constructing? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you can have the steps, which is a separate form. And then you can step through the different steps. So it's a different form view each time you go through a step. Mm -hmm. And I assume we, we need to have this, this nested mechanism again to avoid switching between screens and just to have everything at the same place and have something clearer and, and faster for, for the guy working with it because, yeah, I think he has other things to do than just spend time clicking on buttons on the screen. Yes, exactly. Mm. And also it just makes it easier for them to click the buttons because mm. you just, the next step is the next button. Mm -hmm. And then the other main app we have in JavaScript is the barcode app, which mm -hmm. I didn't mention earlier, but it's essentially okay. just the inventory app but in a much more user-friendly JavaScript version so you can use an actual barcode scanner and the nice thing about the way that that, as well as the um, manufacturing work orders. And just to make it clear for people, because uh, uh, I saw demos of that, maybe Fabian doing that on stage at the experience, but uh, maybe not everybody did. Uh, just go and watch. Uh, but uh, uh, to quickly explain, where do barcodes interact with, uh, with stock exactly? What are they used to? It's a bit of a silly question, I know, yeah. but uh, let's explain everything. Okay. <laughs> yes, so you can think of it as when you go to a supermarket mm -hmm. and you go to buy something, they usually scan the barcode that's on the back. Mm -hmm. So it's the same exact barcodes. I could go into the specifics of different types of barcodes, but that's probably very boring. <laughs> barcodes. <Okay>. Yes. <laughs> but the general idea is there is some barcode-like thing on your product, and Udu can also produce those so that you can stick a label on something. So if you're selling something in a store, they can just scan the barcode. Or if you're in a warehouse and you want to say, okay, I'm shipping out five tables, then you can just scan those five uh, barcodes very quickly and it'll automatically increment the amount for you mm -hmm. so that you can send it. Mm -hmm. And this way you don't have to encode everything and every, ti every time type the serial number, which is, I guess, what is actually encoded into the barcode. Uh, it could be the serial Somehow. number or just a product <laughs> barcode, <Okay>. yes. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned a, a bunch of the technical challenges that your team has to face every day. Are there other ones you didn't mention yet? So another one would be, going back to the barcode app, is the fact that sometimes people don't have an internet connection when they're doing their task. Mm -hmm. So with the barcode app, what we had to do is make sure that there's a caching system so that they can load, okay, I'm going to do these deliveries. They load it into their little iPad or iPhone or their super fancy barcode reader because there's some very fancy ones I've learned about since I started working for inventory, which is, it's basically a smartphone that does barcode scanning. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they preload it, and then they go to the warehouse, they can scan everything offline, and then come back, and then reconnect, yeah, and yeah. then process it, and everything will be in the database. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool, so you need to synchronize everything, and you need to handle this caching properly. Yes. Okay, another one? Uh, so we also have a similar thing with the, the tablet view for the work orders, mm -hmm. because the worker might also not have an internet connection in the factory. So you talked a bit about the fact that uh, you need to, to, to change things uh, regularly between versions and refactor things. Uh, could you give us a little of an historical view of uh, uh, your code base and what, what were the big milestones, the big changes uh, uh, that, that, that occurred uh, since you, you entered Odoo, or slightly before, if you know, uh, we can talk about the distant past if you want. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I cannot speak to the distant past because mm -hmm. I will see the commits and go, okay, things change <laughs> because it's too Old complicated. <laughs> yes, okay. there's no point in me learning the past mm -hmm. as long as we don't repeat our mistakes, of mm -hmm. course. Sure. But 
So I already mentioned the big manufacturing uh, refactoring that we did for version 14. Mm -hmm. And then since then, we've done smaller ones. I mentioned a little bit of how with the Delivery Connect is we had to refactor it to meet all the new APIs. Mm -hmm. uh, but another one that we did was for the inventory adjustments, mm -hmm. which is essentially someone going and checking what do they have in stock? Is it what they actually think it is? And correcting it, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and with that, what we did was originally you had to do an extra step in order to do your inventory. Mm -hmm. and, and what was it? Uh, before you had to say, I'm going to do an inventory with these specific products or so all of my products in these locations. And then you'd hit, okay, start my inventory. And then you would go through and do it. Now, uh, I think one day Fabian saw like, oh, this is how our competitor is doing it. So we should maybe do it that way too because it's mm -hmm. much better than what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And now you can just go to the inventory adjustments page and it'll automatically show you everything and then you can just filter accordingly to what you need to uh, do your inventory on. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because you took inspiration from a competitor. I mean, business is business. Ah, yes. you, have to, you have to sometimes. Ah. <laughs> yeah, and if someone else is doing a good idea, then why mm -hmm. not just sure. copy it? Sure, I think it's important when you're developing something to, to stay open to ideas coming from people outside of your little bubble uh, of your church, I don't know, uh, because, well, uh, you might have very good ideas, but you probably are not the only one, and maybe someone had a better idea than, than, than you and thought about something you wouldn't have thought about. Yeah, I feel like there's the expression in development, uh, don't reinvent the wheel. It's the same idea of, well, someone else already invented this pretty good wheel. Let's just take it and tweak it and make it a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, did it happen in other aspects of the modules that you had to take inspiration in other softwares like that? Unfortunately, I'm not sure because that's more <laughs> of a product owner thing than a developer thing. It's usually they, they tell us tell what you. to do and we're like, okay, I will do that. Maybe they, they saw something in another software and they, they were like, oh, it's my idea. You yes. don't know. <laughs> mm, I'm not sure. Uh, I do know that our, our product owners will sometimes go and see how people do it in the real world and they say, oh, okay, they're complaining that we're not doing this particular thing that we should do. Let's just do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you get a lot of interaction with the community about things to change like that? So we do get feedback I usually don't look at the feedback myself because that's also, that's again, product, product owners. Yeah, sure. uh, we do get bug fixes from the community, which mm -hmm. is nice because sometimes they're looking at things that we're not necessarily looking at. And I'm I'm sure a lot of people will recognize me as R-plusing their code <laughs> or being the annoying person saying, could you change this? Can you make it commit better? But Yeah, that's a, that's your role as a, as a reviewer. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm usually one of the strict ones. So. You're the one that everyone, everyone is complaining about every yes. time. It's like, oh, again, that the, the, she asked me to change that and that and that. Yeah. Ah, again. <laughs> yeah, and I'm fine being the, the mean person because later on I'm going to read it again at some point yeah, and I'm sure. going to be annoyed if it's not good. <laughs> Uh, but we do also sometimes get feedback as well. And sometimes they have use cases that we didn't even consider. Or they'll have a use case and we'll say, oh, well, we don't really handle that. You should maybe do it this way. Mm -hmm. And how do you validate the use cases? Uh, is it like the product owner does his research or her research, I don't know, uh, uh, and, and then gives the, the final feedback or you discuss it with the team first? Or? Sometimes it's obvious and mm -hmm. I just say, we don't handle that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Other times I discuss it with my teammates. If it's something maybe more complicated than what I'm used to or it's part of the code that I don't touch as much or I'll ask the product owner, like, okay, does this make sense mm -hmm. to do? Okay, uh, going back to the refactoring, is there another one you didn't mention yet? Uh, another one that I personally worked on mm -hmm. was for the call to tenders and the purchase app. Okay. Was the call to tenders, which is when you want to buy something, but you want to see what different vendors will offer you in terms of price. Mm -hmm. And so it used to be that you had to create 
a call to tenders record, and then you'd have to put the product, and then you'd have to create each uh, request for a quotation separately. Mm-hmm. But now we've made it so now it's just incorporated within a purchase order. Mm-hmm. So now you can just create a request for quotation, you can put in the product, and then you can immediately click create an alternative. Okay. And that will let you choose another vendor, and then it'll automatically plop in the same products so okay. that you don't have to do it again. And then you can also add in extra products. So it could be that you want to see the price of different products from the same vendor, but Mm -hmm. you still want to compare one particular product or multiple products across different vendors. Mm -hmm. And now we also have a button so that you can compare them more easily within the same view Mm -hmm. before you had to kind of go back and forth between all the different requests for quotations and then see, okay, this guy's offering me this much, but I have to buy this many, things like that. Whereas now it'll just have it in one view and then you can click, I want this one, I don't want that one. Or when you go to confirm that you want to do that purchase order, Mm -hmm. then you can choose cancel all the others or keep them and I'm going to change them later. Maybe I'll do something else or just pick specific products from it. Mm -hmm. This involves a lot of UI changes and and really going deep into the interaction that the user will have with it. did it require a lot of, of back and forth prototyping discussions or was it... Because for this one, I don't think it... It doesn't feel like it was obvious, right, to, uh, to do it. Yeah, but I think this is another one of those ones where Fabian was using it and said, we can do this better. <laughs> and then he said, why are we doing this extra step? Let's just get rid of it and just do it all in one place. So, And then I said, okay, I will do my best. And I did something and they were mm-hmm. happy. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. f- first try. Huh? Yeah. Whoa. Well, <laughs> I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I take a long time. But in the end, they're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Good. Um, about your team now, uh, how many people are doing all that? So in our team, we have 11 developers, including myself, okay. and two product owners. Mm-hmm. That's not that much. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh, we also have other dedicated team members for, for example, bug fix and mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. as well. Okay. And how do you handle new people coming into the team? So you were saying that uh, uh, the, well, when you entered uh, Odoo, it was a bit scary for new newcomers uh, uh, to go into inventory and all that. Uh, how, how do you do now? So if I come and I have a newbie for you, I give it to you, it's yours, I'll do what you want. What is it going to work on? So typically what we do for newbies is we put them on UI tasks, UI UX uh, tasks, because they're, they tend to be easier and it's more about finding where in the code they are. And also if they do it wrong, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> and yeah, it, it allows them getting more comfortable with the flows, I guess, and and the models, and and just slightly, slightly starting touching it really from the inside, and be like, okay, it's uh, it's not it's not that dangerous in the end. Yes, often <laughs> the challenge is figuring out where to go within the apps. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that there were two product owners uh, handling the scope uh, of your team. So f- first off, maybe we should start explaining what a product owner is because it's it's not self-explanatory. Uh, yes. So what is a product owner? So a product owner, they're typically the one who has more of the the overarching view of what should the apps be doing. Mm -hmm. So they kind of focus on what should it functionally be doing and what does the customer want so that us developers can focus on the technical parts of how are we actually going to do this in the code. Mm -hmm. And just to be clear, uh, your team is not the only one with product owners. Uh, Actually, uh, every developer has at least one product owner working on his scope that he can refer to and ask questions to and that will, well, say what needs to be done uh, uh, and and explain the functional side of things. So it's very important. Uh, and so how does it work with yours? So 
since we have two product owners, they split up the apps that they focus on. Mm -hmm. And for example, if one of them says, we want to add in this new feature, but they haven't given enough details for me to implement it, then I'll say, okay, well, how do we want to handle it in this case? Mm -hmm. And what should it do? How should it look? Things like that. Or I can also ask things such as, well, how would the customer do this? Because I have no idea how someone is going to be doing this manufacturing. And they can say, oh, well, in this case, they would do something like this. And then at the end, they need to have their barcode and slap it on, things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and for example, one of the things we had to do was print out the barcodes in a standard size. And we... As developers, I have no idea that, okay. It's, what is the standard size? Uh, yeah. There's different ones, but there's one where it's uh, 4 by 11. Or I think it's 4 by 12 stickers, mm -hmm. maybe. It might vary between the US and Europe as yeah, well. But it's not something yeah. that everybody knows by heart, I agree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> At least not when you're doing development. Uh, and and that's, that's true. That's the reason why we need product owners, typically. Uh, and I guess for yours, they are like split by, by different apps because you're handling more than just one or how, how, how does it uh, go? Yes, so we have one product owner for handling everything involved with inventory, so mm -hmm. inventory, purchase, and the delivery connectors and then we have another one that handles more of the manufacturing side, so manufacturing, repairs, quality, things like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important like that. I am I don't know if it was like that when you entered Odoo. Odoo, I guess not because it was a long time ago and I'm not sure we had that many product owners. Yes, back when I joined, we only had one product owner and they just handled all of the apps mm -hmm. and they had to test every single task and it was a lot of work for just so one person. So it was person. necessary to, to spread the load a little bit. Yes. Uh, and I, I mean, it's important because people don't always realize that, you know, uh, when we're talking about apps, apps, apps and talking about just development, but uh, every app that Odoo is doing uh, is handling a very different kind of, of business need. And so there is an industry with its, its own needs, its own challenges, and all different kind of practices behind each of the apps. So it makes sense to have a product owner that can focus on each app and know what the different cases are. Otherwise, it's too much for just one human being, I guess. So. Yes, exactly. And so when a product owner is uh, giving uh, birth to a new task, uh, uh, how do you assign a developer to it? So typically, we look at how complex the problem is, and then can the person handle it, and do, are they interested in doing it? Because mm -hmm. that's one of the nice things about the stock team is because we have so many different things that you can do, and we're a very chill team, I think. <laughs> Often, once we feel like you're ready, you can just pick the tasks that you want to do. Okay, so it's really the developer is choosing what he's going to work on. Yes, Sometimes there might not be any fun tasks and you still have to do something you don't want to do, but at least you have some autonomy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I guess doing it this way, you might also be more proud of the final result when you, you manage to solve the challenge, right? Depending on how much you like your task, yes. <laughs> well, even if you dislike it, I mean, solving something you dislike is also so also a victory, huh? Sure. <laughs> You're not convinced. <laughs> I've had my tasks that I really liked and my tasks that I really didn't like, so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so as a final word about all that, maybe uh, it would be interesting to say, why it's interesting to join your team. So I guess uh, the autonomy and the fact that there are challenges and you can pick the things you're working you're working on are things you're going to talk about. Are there other things why it's nice to work on, uh, on, on this field? So for me personally, I think logistics is a bit of a nerdy topic, but mm -hmm. I'm a big nerd. So, <laughs> so you feel I, home. <laughs> yes, because uh, the nice thing for me with logistics is I like thinking of lots of different use cases and flows that work very well because my... My background is more in math. So one of the things I was very good with when I studied math was 
I need to prove it for all these particular use cases. And mm -hmm. once I prove it for all those, we know it's good. Mm -hmm. And I do essentially the same thing with logistics as well of, okay, let's make sure we handle all the use cases. And then we know our code is good. We're going to be able to handle lots of use cases mm -hmm. and people will be happy. Okay, that's interesting because people mentioning these kind of things usually will say, uh, okay, I want to work on AI and do big computations and, and things like that. And, and it's very different here because it's really just engineering, but uh, uh, doing it step by step and having the structure. And, and if I get you well, that's, that's, that's the thing you like about it. For me personally, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's and good. It, and it's nice <laughs> that uh, we always have new challenges, so you never mm -hmm. get bored as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for your answers. I guess we brushed a lot of different topics and I hope people uh, really got the soul uh, of the inventory team and, and the way you work and, and what you're producing, uh, technically speaking. Thank you, Tiffany, for your answers. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this discussion about the way our developers manufacture our inventory suit. If you'd like to stay for further insightful tech and dev discussions, I suggest you listen to our episode about the accounting app. It was an exciting episode in the same vein as today's one. Until then, see you next time. Cheers.